0: well hello and welcome back fellow riders on bus talk a podcast about work life issues which crowd our minds each day myth busting into reality we share some tips and tricks to better your work-life balance or the lack thereof simply put It's a straight talk to help you cope well with various situations without having to reinvent the wheel. And yes, there is a lot of traffic, so it does take time. We go slow, steady and at our own pace. If this is what piques your interest, you're on the right bus. So sit back, turn up the volume and enjoy the ride. I'm your host GB and you're listening to Bus Talk. So friends, let's begin with a problem statement. In India, supply far exceeds demand when it comes to hiring. So how do you make your resume stand out? Paraphrasing from a recent article in Live Mint, Mr. Gautam Das writes in his article that Facebook had an opening for a director position based out of Gurugram. The job was posted about two weeks ago and had about 1,239 applicants. Amazon had an opening for a team lead role in Delhi, which is like a mid-senior role and had about 1,258 applicants and goes on to give many more examples. So when you see some of these staggering numbers, what are the odds your resume gets the nod? And so in today's ride, we must talk about the interview of a resume, right? You heard that correct. Myth-busting perceptions about resumes from a hiring manager's point of view and then from a recruitment or a recruiter's point of view. I'll share five things to make you rethink about your job applications or rethink the way you've been applying till now. You know, the thing about resumes is that its job is to get you an interview, not the job. You get the job at the interview, So it's important we recognize these two different aspects of a job seeking process. Now, not that I'm a recruiter or any expert. My experience stems from having viewed almost, what, 10,000 resumes, shortlisting, interviewing more than 4,000 people over the years. So as a hiring manager, it gives me some idea on things not to do while designing your resume. For a general technology sales role, while a lot of this might be applicable to other streams and profiles as well, but largely this is for a tech sales role. So in this episode, I'd like to help you think about how you are presenting your resume and perhaps some insights to better your chances with recruiters and hiring managers. Disclaimer here, don't listen to this content and think of it as like a be all, end all, ultimate guide to job searches. It is not, This is, that's not even its intent. The sole intent is to get you to think on what you've been doing and if you're doing just fine and it's working for you remember whatever works there's nothing better than whatever works so keep at it but this is for those people who think they are struggling and maybe some kind of insights might help it's worth a shot that's the right lens you might want to have for this content so first up you thought your resume was fantastic and yet you didn't get shortlisted sounds familiar isn't it somehow people are ignoring your resume Why is that? You did everything right. Like, think about what you put in in your resume. Like, you wrote a, a detailed job description, work experience, education, your gender, age, just to identify you, marital status, extracurricular activities, and all kind of neatly done and packaged in four or five pages in your Word doc. Yet, no response. And so you think, what else will float the boat? right? All those things don't float the boat usually. Given that India will always be a country where supply exceeds demand, your resume will need to stand out. Once I made a one-liner which said, the risk in being outstanding is that you risk standing out. (laughs) So in India, you will having an outstanding resume to get noticed. I mean, the general sense for most roles, and there are enough you know, publications and data to suggest that, there are roughly about 250 applicants per job, of which on an average, two or three get shortlisted and one gets the role. By and large, that seems to be the trend. The same thing if you were to go abroad to some other country, the math would be very different. So let me share how a typical recruiter might read your resume at the moment he or she receives them but before i do that here are six checkpoints for you before you apply here are six checkpoints for you to consider before you apply now i know most of you must be already knowing this or doing this but as it turns out when we review resumes more often than not we see some of these six points amiss so it's important that we understand the reference to context on what are the five or six things we need to do before we apply. So here goes. Number one, double click the job description, read it three times. Yes, you heard that right. Three times. Why? Because the more number of times you read it, it throws up newer aspects which you otherwise might have missed at your first glance. It helps you better understand the role, what they're expecting. And therefore, you can give a better compare whether you are a better fit for it or not. Number two, wish fit. You know, this is a classic case where you wish you could get that job, but hand to heart, you know that you are not a right fit. And if that being the case, don't apply for it because that's the same sentiment the recruiter or the hiring manager will pick up within a second. Number three. Role fit. Identify people in similar roles. Scroll down and view their experiences. Then compare whether you fit the role or not, how you stack up against a similar profile. And admit it that sometimes people may have different work experiences or backgrounds and they still get hired. But the idea is to get a reference check that, well, they are advertising for this particular role in the current scheme of things these are the two or three people who are doing that role so when i compare apples to apples and i see well am i scoring like a 10 on 10 fit or 7 on 10 fit or am i like a above 10 kind of a fit and basis which one would determine self-determine whether you are a good fit number four form factor if they're asking you to fill a form It's to standardize information. People provide varied information and it's never, no two resumes are ever standardized. And so it becomes incredibly difficult for recruiters to assimilate information and read through the profiles. Nowadays we have algorithms and if your forms are not accurately filled, the algorithm might not even shortlist you. So it's very important you take those forms very very seriously and fill up all details number five point noted attach a customized cover note I don't know how many people do that but I as a hiring manager if I receive a cover note which is specifically made for me or for the role it just gives me the message that this person has thought through the role and has dedicated enough time, which also shows the intent that this person is really keen to take up the role. And it's not like you need to write like a three pager. It's like maybe at best two paragraphs of three lines or four lines each as to why you could be a good fit and given the opportunity what you bring to the table broadly and you can customize it best to your abilities and knowledge. But more or less, these are the components that I would want to Read in a covered note. Not having one, you slot yourself in the majority then. The whole idea is to emerge out of majority and come into minority. In the And I say this in the right spirit, that you have to filter yourself out by trying relevant things. And the last point, attach it. When you attach your resume, make sure it's not a Word doc. Given a chance, please save it as a PDF file so that there is no alteration possible. For example, who knows if when somebody is reading an editable Word doc, by mistake they delete something or something gets edited or misspelt or mispronounced, then it makes for a very uncomfortable conversation while you are at your interview. So why risk it? Do a thorough spell check, save as PDF and then upload that file so that it remains sacrosanct when you upload. Okay, now with the basics out of the way, Let's dive into how a typical recruiter might view your resume as and when they receive it. (music) Great. Let me give you a quick sneak peek into what really happens after the resume has been sent into motion. The moment a recruiter views your resume, the scenario is something like this. They go, "Mm, keyword, keyword, search, company, job, description, role, date, education, flip, flip, flip. Done. Done next. For the seasoned recruiter, that glance is less than 10 seconds. It's all you get. For your resume to warrant the additional 10 seconds of time, it needs to be formatted correctly. If your resume does not catch attention within that time frame, chances are it might not get a second look. And with the algorithm recruiter, it's a whole new ball game. If your resumes are not formatted in a standard way, the data might get misplaced. But We'll get to that a bit later. For now, let's stick to the humans first. Well, we all know how tough the job hunting scenario is. Let me give you a perspective from the recruiter, recruiter's mind, as it were. They are under intense pressure. The business puts a lot of pressure to hire relevant profiles, that too, within a short period of time. Many recruiters' incentives depend on the number of positions they've closed and not just over a long period of time within a finite period of time. Some are even tasked additionally to help the manager's interview if the manager is new, for example. So they do a whole bunch of things. Don't assume that the recruiter's only job is to pick up the phone and say, are you looking for a change? There are multiple subsets of their primary role that they execute while reaching out to so many candidates. And with this chaos of huge supply, what do we have? We have directors applying for manager roles. We have team leads applying for VP roles. Whatever people can do, you know. And therefore, they need to sift through every resume and have to do it so quickly that they get to the right profiles before it's like way too late. And so therefore, friends, it brings me to a very key point. The resume format. While there is no ideal format for a resume, but the more you make it simple stick to one page better chances of a pair of eyes spending more time so i'll give you some tips and tricks around the resume format but first let me ask you this simple question do you know the difference between a resume a cv that is a curriculum vitae and a biodata or a profile have you ever given that a thought let me simplify this for you a resume is a one-page summary it has your work ex relevant to the role that you're applying for Think of it like, like a T20 match. A CV is a slightly longer version, perhaps two pages. Think of it as a one day. It has a little more detail on each of the roles that you have executed. Finally, the biodata, which includes components of your CV along with personal details. Think of it like a test match. Okay, now that you have a fair idea, about the differentiation. Let me give you or bring you up to speed about how modern resumes look like. First up, make sure no matter what the length of your experience is, even if you are 20 years of WorkEx, ensure that it is a one pager. Now, there are certain points which you can omit. For example, date of birth, gender, home address detail. These are some of your PII, personally identifiable information. These are to be provided on specific request for a specific purpose. For general job shortlisting this piece of information, is perhaps not as relevant. Date of birth. Frankly, it's like an age discrimination when some job descriptions say, I don't want to hire 30 years of age or 40 years of age because ability is independent of age. So some organizations still follow that that path. Perhaps they want to maintain an even work culture where their average age is 25 and if there is a 55-year-old applying for the role so they might want to not consider person, which if you look at it carefully, that's being discriminatory. First, the age of a person should have nothing to do with the job at hand and if if the person, if the candidate, the job seeker is comfortable executing the role and is competent, then none of that should matter. Likewise gender, whether you're a male or a female should be independent or a transgender for that matter, should be independent of the job that you are expected to do. So when some job requirements state wanted female candidates only, that's a touch unfair. One would want to represent their companies as neutrally as possible. But yes, there are times when the gender ratio within the organization might be skewed so much in favor of males, they might want to hire more females. To balance it that could be a benefit of doubt but generally it's something that you don't need to share on a resume in India it should really be immaterial because the name itself should give a general idea when you are applying abroad to a foreign country they sometimes might be confused with the names because they are not familiar whether Krishna is a male or a female right so in which case you could address, you can identify yourself as when you write the cover note, use a third person singular, X person, he's a general management expert. Know, and use a third person singular which can identify the gender so pe- people can pick it up. Home address detail, well, it is important to know which city you are located uh, so that companies can evaluate whether whether they have to pay relocation or not. But to give 1-3-5, second floor, third unit is something that they really don't care. It's when you join the firm and if there are some bank forms that you need to fill or what have you then perhaps a home address detail is required. So you save space by eliminating or omitting such information. Your marital status has no bearing on the job that you do. A business or a recruitment or a hiring manager asking you if you're married or not is strictly against policy in my view. I have, for example, if I'm a hiring manager, I have no business to check whether you're married or not. But yes, what I can check is ask a legitimate question which is do you anticipate any life-changing events which might interfere during the course of your working with us and what do you anticipate Uh, if the person assures that no matter what the personal side is my professional side will be sacrosanct then then you have to take the word for it you cannot check oh so you're going to get married so then how will you work is a very very wrong question to ask it has got discrimination written all over it father's name you know people say father's name mother's name address and all not required nobody's asking you to identify who your father or mother or your parents are companies are interested to know who you are overview well sometimes it is relevant but people go overboard in writing like five or seven lines Overview typically should be like a one-liner or a two-liner just to say, hey, this person is a seasoned sales, tech sales management executive and brings 15 years, 20 years of work X to the table or whatever. So you want to give a general overview of what to expect in your resume not a detailed paragraph in my understanding. Objective. Again, objective people, it's become so contrived, seeking a challenging role in in your esteemed organization seems very corny, if you ask me. So I'd get rid of objective. I mean, we understand that you're looking for a job and uh, the objective is to find a right fit, that's fair. I think the overview should be enough to cover the objective as well. Many people make a classic mistake of describing the company. Uh, in your work experience i worked with xyz well here's what the company does and they go for five lines on that it's not required what people know want to know is what did you deliver in that role for example you were an account manager in x infotech x infotech could be a ai powered fintech company for example that's a one-liner is enough but what is more critical is In that role of account manager, you exceeded quota three times, did 110% attainment and grew the business 23% YOY. That's all we need to know. Beyond which I don't need to know the job description or the role description. That's not the goal. Finally, spell check your resume. More often than not, the most irritating thing that I find in resumes is grammatical errors and spell checks. People just miss out a simple thing that of checking the spelling before submitting your document it just shows your attention to detail so make sure you keep these points in mind while applying keep your resume simple and succinct so that the recruiter does not need to spend too much time to shortlist your resume remember the job of your resume is to get you shortlisted that's it as long as that is done its objective is achieved now let's look forward to the hiring manager's perspective Well, that's all for now. I hope you had a good time listening, as much as I had sharing these thoughts. And if you did, do tune in to the other episodes of Bus Talk. Yes, you could share them on Facebook or Twitter, and with especially those who might appreciate similar content. And if you need to talk to me or reach out to me, you can use the Twitter handle, hashtag Gyanban, spelled as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N, one word, or email me on gyanban at gmail.com, again spelled as G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N. Be sure to tune in next week. There is a fascinating episode coming up for you. Till we meet again, stay safe, be well, and bring your A-game to work. Ciao.